Hi everybody and welcome to my latest podcast where I'll be interviewing Roger Hughes who is not only one of the UK's greatest sports coaches but is also one of my best friends. He set up Performance Running, a professional athletics coaching company in 2006 but also Roger is a UKA level 4 qualified athletics coach and has many accolades to his name including running with the Olympic torch in 2012 winning BAA Sports Coach of the Year and becoming a member of the prestigious European Coaches Association. So hi Roger, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well, uh, doing really, really well. I've, I've been very lucky actually during this lockdown uh, to have a wonderful wife and two very very well behaved little kids considering they're only five and six uh they've done incredibly well uh, to cope with what's happened uh, i know there's a massive um mental health issue going on at the moment with people not feeling um that things are going the right way you know they're, they're locked down in the house they can't get out they feel trapped and there's, there's yeah. a, i haven't felt that uh, if if anything i don't know if i've become a, a miserable old bastard in my in my old, in my later years but no I, I can i can just answer that question roger you haven't you've always been that <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad i haven't changed but but i i, I, I haven't missed anyone <laughs> Oh, that's nice. I feel terrible saying that, but I don't actually feel like I'm. I mean, to be honest, we've got Zoom now, which is fantastic. And if this had happened 20 years ago, it probably would have been very different. Uh, There was no internet, there was no way of communicating with people other than picking up the dialing phone and and ringing one person at a time. But we've been very lucky. Um, Nick's parents are quite well connected digitally, Uh, her sister is as well, work wise. Mm. I've been. contacting my my athletic training group with whatsapp mm-hmm. and little video messages and sending them stuff like that and we've, we've been doing zoom meets with nick's family yeah and, and my sister so yeah from that point of view it's not been such a, a disaster after all uh it's been a little bit tricky um we're, we'll probably go into it a little bit more later on but because of my son's condition and uh mm. we've been in a kind of a bit of a vulnerable um catchment so yeah. we've not been able to go out anywhere. Haven't haven't even been to the local corner shop. We we haven't left yeah. anything further than our front garden uh, for the last two months, which yeah. is is hard because um, I'm I'm getting on now. I'm 50 this year, but I do like to run. Uh, I'm an exercise holic. Uh, my name's Roger, and I and I'm an exercise holic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 50. I can't believe that, Roger. You're 50, really? I, well, yeah. I I know. I'm. I I don't act a day over 13. But no, I know. I, I, and and my mental capacity is, is only half of that. But um, <laughs> but my age is is the only thing that is improving every year. <laughs> <laughs> it's your personal best. It's my personal, best. and I'm setting a new personal best every year. Funny enough, that's yeah, brilliant. Well yeah. done. It's it's yeah. I'm I'm really going for it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm quite lucky as well that I've got a wife that is a, a few years younger than me, so she's yeah. able to kind of keep me in... easy, Roger. Easy. Yeah, well, that well. has been that has been said of me. I have to admit, but um, <laughs> but, but not for some time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. So, so yeah. So, so in terms of your uh, your situation, well, let's talk about that 
let's talk about it. Let's get straight into it. So let's t- tell us about Seb and his his situation. Okay, so um, I was blessed six and a half years ago um, to have had a wonderful, lovely little smiley boy, although it didn't quite happen the way we'd planned it. Um, I, I got together uh, 15, 15 years ago now with my, my, my wife, and over the, the next sort of five or six or seven years, we were beginning to think we probably couldn't have any kids. And then within 10 months, we ended up with two of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only you, Rog. Absolutely. It was, bog, it was a bog-off deal. You get one, buy yeah. one, get one four. Um, yeah. But the way it kind of worked out was was Nick was looking at some medication to try and speed things up. And it was making us feel terrible. And and all of our friends seemed to be either having kids or already had them. And it was, it was psychologically not a, a good place to be for, for Nick. Um, and and for myself as well, because being a bit older than Nick, I was starting to think that maybe time has passed me by, uh, and and I quite like to to have someone that I was going to have to train to the ninety to the twenty thirty two Olympics. But um, it, it, uh, it yeah. But in the end, we decided look, it's not making you feel good. Let's come off the tablets. Let's do things naturally. If if it's going to be, it's going to be. If it's not, it's not. And that's how life is. And we decided to crack on the garden. And I started building uh, what is now the head office of Performance Running International Limited, .com.co.corporation, uh, which some people might refer to as a garden shed. But for me, is is the headquarters of the nerve centre, in fact, of, of performance running. And uh, we... we and very important to this too, Roger. Very important. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a bit like the International Space Station. You can see it. As a glint in the sky from from, uh, you know, from way up in the, if you look in the right direction at the right time, it's uh, yeah. But no, I, I've uh, I've been very lucky, and over the years of coaching, I, I managed to bump into a few people. So I've decorated the walls of of the shed with uh, photos of virtually every runner known to man, and probably even not known to man. Uh, and so that that's quite good. But getting back to Seb, I was uh, it was it was. Um, after that weekend of building the shed, where we dug a huge hole, filled a skip full of earth, drunk about four bottles of wine, um, we took a random pregnancy test the following weekend and found out that Nick was uh, was pregnant, and we very much looked forward to that. Uh, and the predicted date for Seb's arrival was was February, and completely unlike his dad, he was actually very early. Um, Wow. <laughs> uh, he was so, very early, right? Absolutely. He was so early that we, we were actually decorating his room with the help of Nick's mum uh, one weekend. And the following weekend, Nick said, Look, I'm not going to be around because I've got to go to a friend's hen do, which she went to, but then had to leave early because she wasn't feeling very well at. So the following morning, I said, Look, rather than if you're not feeling better now, rather than go to doctors, we'll nip into the local hospital, just make sure everything's all checked up and all tickety boo. And we got in there, not thinking anything more than she had a bit of a stomach ache. And uh, after a couple of quick tests, the doctor said, you're having a baby, which we kind of knew. And because she had a big lump and she's five months pregnant. But she, they said, no, it's right now. And all of a sudden, life changed. Life changed completely. I I don't know if you've ever been or, or imagined in a TV show a car crash. And it, it just seems to happen in slow motion. Do you know what, Roger? I, I actually have, I have, I have actually been in a very serious car crash. I mean, I wasn't hurt, but the car crash itself 
was was quite bad and it was a phenomenal thing where we all survived but everything was in slow motion everything it's, it's, and that's what you experienced yeah it, it just seemed like they'd, they'd said the words baby's coming now um and and you know i'm i'm a little slow on the uptake of most things but but with this i said really but with now it can't be now because it's it's not for another four months and i didn't know we we hadn't even been at this stage to an antenatal class it was that early uh, we, yeah. we hadn't done anything along those lines um and nick probably known a little bit more about uh, pregnancy and so on than, than i did understood the gravity of the situation a lot quickly a, m- a lot more quickly than i did and uh, we were kind of in shock we were taken to a room to wait uh, while some final tests were done and they were phoning around a hospital to try and to, to try and take us in uh, our local hospital wasn't able to deal with a, a baby deli- uh, delivering that early so i think they they rang eight or nine hospitals and finally the one that was the closest to us turned out to be in portsmouth and uh, we live in Berkshire. Um, but, uh, so nick was rushed blue lighted down to portsmouth hospital i rushed back home picked up the dog and some clothes for her drove it over to her parents and then followed on down and um it looked like maybe they'd stabilized things nothing happened that night the following day they even suggested we possibly could go home but uh, then Seb decided otherwise and he says no this is a good time for me and he decided that morning he was going to make an appearance and uh, that was an absolute shot you you just described being in a car crash Um, it's it's something you can't plan for once it's happening you can't stop it and it's not pleasant while it's happening, but if you were as lucky as you were to be able to escape it relatively unscathed, you just look up at the sky and think, well, maybe there is someone up there <laughs> to say, hey, yeah. thanks, pal. That, that was a good one. Um, yeah. But so, so how premature was he again? Four months? He was four months early. So he was born at a gestation of 24 weeks and three days. So at the time, um legally there's a cutoff point of 24 weeks so we were only three days over the cutoff point where prior to that doctors were under no obligation to attempt to um, what they call a live or viable delivery yeah and we were told later that years ago um, babies were just gotten rid of even if they had yeah you know come out alive they weren't considered viable frightening oh absolutely shocking and and we didn't realize that uh, again and and this put life into quite a big perspective for me is that you could actually technically have an abortion two weeks after seb's birth yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask you about that because it, that's the sort of moral compass isn't it that's the problem with with these sort of arguments is that there's a there's a there's a there's a, 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 a duality isn't there where you know they both meet in the middle almost and you think oh geez depending on my situation where do i go I guess. absolutely i mean we, we were totally we obviously wanted seb and we were we were desperately looking forward to uh, the arrival we weren't expecting it so early but we were d- desperately looking forward to it um and my knowledge of you know 
abortions and things like that was incredibly limited. I mean, being a bloke, I think that there's a sperm and then all of a sudden there's a baby. And I, yes. I don't know anything that goes on in between. Uh, yeah, mate, mate that, is, that is a very, very black and white way of looking at it, I must admit. Yeah. It's a very male way, isn't it? Absolutely. And a bag of crisps in between. Yeah, I mean, I've done my bit. Now, well, we put the chicken in the oven. Now we've got to wait for it to cook. <laughs> uh, and uh, and once, it's, once it's ready to cook, I, I'm good to eat it. Uh, but but uh, yeah, it was it was quite a shock, and and Seb was so tiny, uh, and things were happening so quickly. He, he was delivered within eighteen minutes, yeah, uh, yeah. which yeah. gave us no time to think about things. In, in one way, it was nice because it wasn't a long, protracted, drawn out, painful experience yeah. physically for for Nick, but uh, but it didn't give us time to think about anything. And we did have two or three names lined up just in case it was a boy or a girl because we didn't even know that at that stage. And I think the midwife tried to take her mind off it by saying, have you got a name? And Nick blurted out of the three names she picked, Sebastian, which for me, as we'll talk later on, was a delight because as a runner, I couldn't have picked a better name. Um, So that that was really good. He... Okay, so, so what's sorry to interrupt you. So, so what, what's what's been the consequence of this premature birth for Seb then? Well, rather than having the big Lion King moment and raising my cub up into the air over the side of a cliff, um, he was his cord was cut and he was taken away from us and worked on, uh, and we were left kind of just to overhear what the consultants and doctors working on him was saying he was born with no pulse, no vitals, he wasn't breathing, uh, and then he was rushed away. And then for the next sort of hour or so, we were left not knowing what had happened. Uh, we, we, we got out of the car crash, we'd survived, we were wandering around stunned and thinking, well, what's next? So what's next was we got taken to the what they call the NICU unit, the neonatal intensive care unit. We saw our son, who was was tiny. I mean, I if if anyone's got an Action Man doll or a uh-huh. uh, Barbie doll, if you look at the hand of that Barbie doll, that was about the size of the hand of our son. It was about the size of my wife's fingernail, his entire hand. Yeah. I mean, I must admit, I have seen the photographs and it's just unbelievable how he survived. Well, I mean, we, we just have to say that there was an incredible team. I mean, I know the NHS, oh. uh, the NHS has been uh, clapped every Thursday for the last few weeks and, and quite rightly so. But there was some exceptional, uh, incredibly gifted, incredibly intelligent, kind, passionate people out there who didn't give up on him. Um, oh. Said they took took about 12 minutes to get Seb's breathing stabilised, during which time several other babies in other hospitals that we discovered had been given up on. Um, but they didn't hear and they kept working on him and, and he was amazing. He was 640 grams, which is less than three quarters of a bag of sugar. Um, and we didn't touch him. So, the, so the, the the direct consequences of it was that he was extreme premature. Uh, the the skin was very thin. From a humanitarian point of view, it was quite interesting actually, because funny enough, there was another couple there from Slough, an Asian couple, 
and their son was born around about the same as ours. And there's no difference in their look. There's no skin pigmentation at that point. Um, so they both look the same. Uh, Seb's fingers and toes were webbed. His eyes were fused shut. And it wasn't for several weeks before they opened. And, and even then, there was no colorization of his eyes. They were jet black. Um, ah. But we, we, phys- we physically watched the baby grow outside of the room. But during that, because of that, which was absolutely, if it had been another person, it would have been fascinating to watch as a documentary. But because it was our yeah. son, it was a bit more tricky. Uh, there were mornings yeah. where we could, when the sun rose, we could, and he was an incubator, by the way, we couldn't touch him for the first six weeks because his skin was so thin and he was very poorly. He was on ventilator and he was on all sorts of medications and tubes and wires. It was quite a scary time for Nick and I. We didn't leave the hospital for, for six months. Uh, but mm. we we could physically see through him when the sun rose and it came through the window. And we looked through the, and it was like an X-ray. We could actually look through him, which is quite incredible. And, and over the next six months, there was several very close calls where we were told to brace ourselves for the worst and then once we finally were allowed to come home um he was at home on oxygen still for another two years and and still to this day has multiple complications including um, some learning difficulties cerebral palsy uh, chronic lung disease he has something called subglottic stenosis and subglottic cysts which uh, once inflamed, if he he has a very weak immune system, so if he gets ill, his airways and his, his breathing is compromised. Uh, so technically, we've actually lost him on five occasions, and somehow doctors oh have God. brought him back. So it's been a real roller coaster. It's been quite an exciting journey. And if you look at it like that, and I'm I'm in the middle of writing a book, amongst other things, is obviously this is a big part of it. Uh, but it's it's. It's incredible. The doctors, the nurses who have become our friends, the kids refer to them as Auntie Hasner and, uh, you know, and, and so on. The doctors have been incredible. Uh, the hospitals are fantastic. There's been a few mistakes along the way, but everyone's human. But generally, everything yeah. has been, you know, my friends have said how unlucky I've been with various things, with Seb and, and other things in my life. But I disagree. I've been incredibly lucky because every time something bad's happened, I've just about managed to get into the right place at the right time for something good to fix it. Isn't that, isn't that though, I mean, that's, that's a, just a, an amazing story, but isn't that your, your mentality? I've known you for years now. Well, I'm definitely mental, always that's been, for sure. Yeah. Well, well, but, but it's, well, I'm not saying you're <laughs> mental, Roger, but, you're, you're, but, but there, is a, there is a similarity between you and I, which is we are almost unhinged yeah. towards trying to make the best of things. Yeah, I mean, I... Which is a kind of a kind of mentality, isn't it? But it's almost a delusion, and I think you're very you're very positive, deluded. Yeah. If that yeah, makes absolutely. sense. So anything anything that anything that happens that where most people would struggle or blame or hate or cry and break down and become you know depressed, you are some you have this bounce back ability. I, th- I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm very lucky. I, I had two incredible parents that. Uh, went through unbelievably difficult situations themselves, which I won't bore you with now. I'm, I'm, but and I'm sure many other parents have had tough times too. But you know, I had uh, in- incredible parents that installed in me um, fun element, 
uh, and a kind of well, you describe it as a bounce back ability. Uh, both both went through very difficult situations, but always seemed to come out of it all right. Unfortunately, I've lost both parents, um, both to yeah. quite terrible illnesses, motor neuron disease and, and cancer. But but yeah. even then, when they were diagnosed with these illnesses, I still thought, well, there's a way of fixing it. They'll be okay. They'll get through it. Um, and I kind of, it just kind of carried on, you know. So when, if I split up with a girlfriend, it was terrible. I felt bad. I, I didn't want to upset the the other person, but there'd be another one, yeah. you know. And and yeah. and eventually yeah, there yeah. was, and I was lucky enough to meet Nick, yeah. and we got married. And she puts yeah. up with me. Uh, we didn't think we could have any kids, and then all of a sudden we had two. Um, yeah. I was very ill last year, and then um, was told doing that that you know have i not only made a will but have i made arrangements for my funeral um but that was that was quite a, an interesting sort of so i'm sorry i'm laughing because people listening to this will just go what what they'll just pick out that the thing is is positivity you have to be positive if if you look at everything negatively i read your um your message earlier today about the coronavirus and how many poor yeah. people have died, which is absolutely terrible. And, and you know, my uncle is one of them. He died two weeks ago, alone <laughs> on his own in a nursing home. Uh-huh. His his wife was unable to go to the funeral because of the, the thing. Yeah. There's all these terrible stories. But as you say, there's a hundred times more people survived it. You know, there's... Oh, yeah. oh, every yeah. person that, that didn't make it there was you know a thousand people that did make it and and some people that haven't mm-hmm. had any illnesses at all and there, there's so much more out there that is good news than there is bad news but we just only highlight yes. the bad news because for some reason it's deemed interesting if it's bad news I'm, I'm yes. a big sort of space nut and uh, I was born in 1970, which was the dullest year in, in, in history. Looking, like, I look back and, and think, what, <laughs> what interesting happened in 1970? And the only thing actually of any interest that happened in 1970 was the unfortunate non-landing of the Apollo 13 <laughs> moon rocket. So yes. the failure of yeah. rocket, That's which right. actually became big news because yeah. it failed. Mm. But, but That's the, right. The, all the other successful rockets that launched weren't covered and, and the space shuttle there's yeah. 135 space shuttle flights I don't know if people know this very sad uh, statistic but um, but the only ones that people remember the two that crashed yeah that's and, right uh, you know yeah. and, that's, and that's the same Concorde was the most incredible plane in the world with one of the best safety records of any aeroplane that has ever flown yeah and only one ever crashed, that's right. but that's what you remember. And it, it's, it's almost a sixty-year-old yeah. plane, for goodness sakes. And, and it's, you know, it's it's still <laughs> the top ten fastest planes of all time, military planes or others. But the only thing people remember is the bad yeah. luck, the crash. So what I like to do is I like to but, turn but, things around and look at the good, the good side of things. Seb survived. He's happy. He's funny. Mm-hmm. He's. Um, Maybe academically going to be behind, but he's very quick-witted. He uh-huh. gets sarcasm. He gets jokes. He's kind. He's helpful. He looks after his sister. Yeah. Uh, he's big and he's strong. And I'm in, I'm just in awe of him because he's 
he inspires me because he he's he's gone through hell and back medically and he he just thumbs up all the time smiling you know he, he was just outside in his scooter riding up and down the, the, the back garden you know oh, he yeah. just loves it just loves being alive and and out there and just doing stuff and i see so many kids with miserable faces doing nothing sitting on street corners or just playing yeah. xbox or, or you know and i'm i'm just blessed i'm i'm a really blessed man i've got fantastic family like you and friends like yourself I mean, what you, you're doing, you're an incredible athlete. You're taking a, a, a mammoth athletic uh, uh, challenge of running seven marathons in seven days with the, with the 7x7 Punisher to raise money for good causes for other people. I mean, you, you're not doing it for your own... I mean, obviously, you are going to get healthy, but you're not doing it for your own health. Uh-huh. You're doing this incredible, almost unbelievably physically challenging... Um, event that most people couldn't even get their head round to raise money for other people. But you see, but you see, I, I, I see it differently to that. So I see it as I couldn't imagine. You see, we, we're, we're similar, right? We've both lost mm. family members through cancer, which yeah. is a horrible experience, right? And then knowing you and knowing what you've gone through and, and, and little Seb and, and the NHS nurses who, who've been really supportive. And I think where would I rather be? Would I rather be in your situation or would I rather just plod for 26 miles seven times and do that? Well, I'll be honest, I'd rather <laughs> plod seven marathons in seven days because I would. I wouldn't I wouldn't swap my place and, you know, you know what I mean? So for me, winning, the, winning these seven marathons isn't particularly um, daunting for me. I'm quite actually looking forward to it, even though it's been put postponed because of the yeah. COVID situation but I'm actually you know I am keeping fit and, and it's and it's a good thing to do and I've got two legs and I've got some lungs and I can breathe and I'm fit and healthy so why not do do things when you're fit and healthy because yeah. people can't and it's about supporting absolutely family, I mean I've, I've seen pictures of you you know and you're the fittest I've ever seen you I've, I've known you for I don't know what almost 20 years now um oh. and you know you're the fit you're fitter now than you were 15 20 years ago you're in... yeah, I'm like a racing snake. Say again. I'm like a racing <laughs> snake. I'm, 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 I'm more like eating a steak. But uh, um, but yeah, no, it's it, it's fantastic what you're doing. And and one of the um, fantastic charities that's going to benefit from your hard work is uh, St. Francis Hospice in Berkhamsted. Uh, mm-hmm. who do an incredible yeah. job yeah. under massively difficult circumstances. I, I've, I've, my uncle passed away two weeks ago in a home, so I know it, it's hard for them. Oh. Uh, they deal yeah. with people with dementia, with cancer, with all sorts of things. My dad had motor neuron disease, and we were offered a place in a hospice, but he thought it was going to be too full of sick people, so decided to stay at home instead. Um, uh, fair play, yeah, but, fair play. You know what what they do is incredible, and uh, and what you're doing for them is yeah. incredible. But the other kind of side of the coin is that you, you're also helping people like me, um, not just in terms of raising yeah. money for our charity, which is named after our son, Ready Said Go, that uh, we we set up after Seb was born in order to raise money for other good causes to look after other little boys and girls who were going through difficult situations and their families and so on. But you also inspire me because I'm I'm from a, a sporty background. 
and I've seen someone that I've known through business connection do something athletically that I've never done. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, oh. I think that's incredible. I, I really do. And, well, absolutely. Oh, I, I, I mean that, you know, I mean, what you're, what you're doing is, is, is getting me off my ass and saying, well, come on, let, let's get out there, Rog, you know, and, uh, and keep going till, till you can't. And I, I got on the treadmill yesterday for the first time and the, it, it has different sort of functions where you have to program it before you start. And, um, one of them was to enter weight. So I did, and it said, get off. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> it said, with the, the hippopotamus, right, please yeah, leave the room. Says, um, but no, but I know. <laughs> You've been naughty, have you, Roger, in the lockdown? You've been naughty with your diet. You well, the, the thing is, I have to admit, um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about running now, because I am an athletic coach, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, you know me, I, I'm probably to my own detriment, I'm quite modest. And you know, part of the, the book yeah. I'm writing is actually kind of quite therapeutic because in there I'm opening up my kind of inside thoughts that maybe no one's going to be interested in. Maybe someone is, I don't know. But I think that I've okay. not achieved things, not through lack of positivity, but through lack of telling people that I'm any good at something. Um, I know yeah. that I'm quite good at one particular thing at least which is eating um uh, which is sorry which is coaching uh, um, uh, and because i've always been sporty i've had a big diet and an interesting part of, part of this uh this process is about being healthy and what you put into your body yeah has to be good you know you can't put diesel into a petrol car Tell us more about diet part. Uh, well, the diet, I think, is, is a bit like putting petrol into a diesel car. If you uh, yeah. put the wrong thing in the engine, it's, it's just not going to work properly. And for years, I didn't do that. As a matter of fact, it's my wife who's been on my case telling me to eat better. Um, I've, I've, I've never had a problem eating, yeah. <laughs> um, but I've had a problem eating better <laughs> and uh, during this lockdown, yeah. I've, I've because I always ran, I could just burn off whatever calories I was I was consuming, mm. and visually, mm-hmm. it looked like I was quite fit, but internally I wasn't because I wasn't eating the right stuff to recover properly. And the nutrients weren't right, but because I was exercising, I wasn't fat, so it gives you a kind of a wrong impression. Yeah. But having said that, though, I do think some people go over the top with having to religiously stick to lettuce leaves and protein shakes. And um, you can't just live on carrots and and, and things like that, you know. And Mm -hmm. looking at people like the old guy, Sebastian Coe and Steve Cram and Steve Avett and all those kind of people, primarily they just ate mum and dad's dinner and went out and trained really hard. Yes. But there wasn't... Yeah the huge amount of McDonald's and KFC and Burger King and Pizza Hut and everything that's around now that then they were kind of just just coming along and I can remember McDonald's opening for the first time in Slough High Street and it was like a major it was a major thing <laughs> um, do you know Roger that there's a queue in Watford for McDonald's that honestly it's two hours to get to, to get to get the food now First of all, I wouldn't ever no. queue for a McDonald's ever. 
I wouldn't even go for a McDonald's. Why people are queuing, waiting two hours of their lives? I mean, yeah. Really? I mean, that's that's the effect that fast food can have on. Yeah, it's, inc- it's, it's incredible. It's incredible, and you only have to look at America now to see where we will be in ten years' time. The the, yeah. the obesity know, over there scary, is unbelievable, and but the technology and the availability of gyms and health food now is better than it's ever been and yet the state of the health of the country is the worst it's yep. ever been and uh, well that's because that's because a lot of the big corporates promote no, it's now mcdonald's coca-cola Lucasade, burger king kfc yep. pizza hut yep. subway yeah it's all crap food but it's quick and it's cheap. I mean, it's it's just as expensive to buy one avocado as it is to get two yeah. burgers from McDonald's. So if you're on the bread line, yeah. you know, yeah. excuse the pun, if you're on the bread line, with all due respect, I want to go two burgers. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I remember uh, just prior to my um, event last year, I was, uh, things were a bit tight. Um, we had some tough times with several mm-hmm. hospital. I'm self-employed. We were kind of cutting back on things. And there were yeah. days that I was literally only having um, a one pound, because uh, it costs a pound from Tesco, is a one litre bottle of chocolate milkshake and um, a, a four pack of Mars bars because you can get them for a pound. So for two pounds a day, I literally oh, had gosh. chocolate milk and a Mars bar. And it's naughty really because I'm, I, I would consider myself a reasonably good coach and I coach some very good athletes and I have to mm. advise them on what to eat and the best mm. training to do and and uh, and then absolutely <laughs> you hypocrite uh, I, it, it tasted good I liked it uh, and um, you, you know who you are Roger you're the, you're the athletics version of Mr Cummings aren't you you hypocrite telling people one well, thing ab- and they're doing absolutely. the other absolutely yeah I mean, I mean that's uh, that's probably <laughs> the biggest insult I've ever had in my life but but, 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 but probably quite accurate <laughs> you know and you can't no absolutely yeah but, oh, I'm joking I'm joking you know I think that um, I've, I've been massively lucky to have a second shot at stuff uh, last year after all the troubles that Seb had been through yeah. um, he had a uh, an operation um, at the end of April that we had to go down to Southampton with and as a bit of a recovery aid take some time off and some stress off of Nick we went up to her parents for a long weekend to as a as a bit of a break and the upshot of that relaxing weekend was that I actually must suffered a, a massive tonic clonic seizure and was rushed to hospital myself in the early hours of the Sunday morning and I don't remember anything about the next two or three or four weeks and even now my short-term memory is a bit hazy it's getting a lot better i think um but i'm on a bunch of medication and and stuff like that but even though that was a shocking event it wasn't shocking for me because a i don't remember it (laughs) uh it was shocking for nick um and b uh i i didn't die so i've got a second shot at everything yeah. So you know, I'm just I'm just always happy. Yeah. Um, so, so the diagnosis, so the diagnosis uh, I had a brain tumor, a benign brain tumor diagnosed some years before, and for the previous two years, I've been having what I called funny turns, and these funny turns became more and more frequent oh, right. and and longer lasting, until eventually I had the massive 
tonic clonic seizure. Um, it was undiagnosed and they thought it was a cardiac problem. So they treated me for, for my heart and they've got an implant inside my chest monitoring my heart, which itself has issues, but mm. wasn't the cause of the problem. And uh, while I was in hospital, they MRI scanned me and they found out I had some multiple brain tumours, uh, the main one, the original one, plus a shadow behind it and some small objects in front of it. And, and the, the awkwardness of it is that I, I don't feel bad. I feel fine. I feel absolutely healthy. I can't drive because I could potentially have a seizure at any minute, but, but, I, I'm, but I'm fine. I feel physically able to do most other things that uh, I wasn't able to do before. <laughs> uh, and um, right. it's... It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit tricky work-wise and transport-wise and so on, but it's it's something that uh, I'm able to deal with through sport. Sport has allowed me to, to exercise my demons. You know, so when my dad passed away, not only yeah. the actual physical exertion of training, but the friends that I'd made through it, through mm-hmm. sport, got me through it. Yeah. And the same thing happened after my mum passed away, or vice the other way around. And and um, and the same thing when Seb was ill. The friends and family that I've made, and, and you know, and some of them are incredible. I mean, the Olympic champions Denise Lewis, and who's been phenomenally helpful um, throughout the Seb situation, as, as she was patron of Chadical Sparks at the time, and they were really, really good, really helpful. Um, She's come to events yeah. that I've organised and donated Olympic kit that she's uh, worn to raise money for for us, and uh, she's she's become Auntie D as well. Uh, you know, it's, brilliant. yeah, brilliant. That's really good. Yeah, because because celebrities celebrities get do, hard. Do you know what? It's, it's interesting because Denise um, doesn't. Whether you like someone on TV or not, I don't know. But there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. So mm-hmm. Denise never said oh by the way i'm the patron of sparks she introduced it as oh there's a charity i've been yeah. working with you know they might be able to help you out when i got there i realized that she, it was her charity you know it's it, she doesn't they don't wow. they, they don't often really get the credit for what they they deserve and, and some of them don't want it they're, they're just quite happy to do it because they can mm-hmm. and yeah so, so let's 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 just fill in the gaps here. So you're an athletics coach, but but just be specific. What, what do you teach? What do you coach? And who have, who have you coached? And who have you who have you been in contact with in terms of supporting well, your business? Well, over the years, I've coached everything from sprints to middle and long distance to ultra distance triathletes. Uh, as an aside from that, yeah. speed fitness development for other sports, rugby, football, hockey, and so on, through performance running. Um, some of the kids I've that's my business yeah That's so I, business, I work right? with yourself and your um, yeah. you set up a training mm-hmm. department within a call center industry company when I started that company there was only about a dozen people there and when I left there was, was hundreds in three different sites and it, yeah. was, it was incredible to see that transformation mm-hmm. and I learned a huge amount from you during that period of time and I went off and um, took a similar role myself in another company in Ellsbury Echo uh, um, Rexel. Uh, but unfortunately, on Christmas Eve, I was made redundant that uh, after four days short of a year's service. So I got nothing. So cheers, Raquel. I really, really appreciate that. But it was the best thing that happened because, as we're saying about good luck, bad luck, bad luck in a way, good luck in that I used all the things that I'd learned 
through business training and all the experience I'd had through athletics training to combine the two to become an athletics coach. And, and I've been lucky enough to have coached kids that have won national titles, international titles. And Shalane Roskin-Clark is, is, uh, is the European indoor champion, world indoor bronze medalist. She was fifth at the World yeah. Outdoor Championships. She was just an ordinary school kid from Slough that went to an ordinary state school, nothing special about her at all, uh, had a very difficult upbringing and childhood herself, yeah. but didn't mope around and, and, and feel sorry for herself. She saw that somebody took an interest in her and believed in her and thought she could do something, and, and she went with it, and she worked her socks off and achieved it. And she's a massive inspiration to me too. And, and she was actually one of my bridesmaids at my wedding um, because of it. And uh, I've been lucky enough over the years to meet people like Usain Bolt, Sebastian Coe, uh, Linford Christie, uh, Denise Lewis, yeah. Kelly Holmes, Colin Jackson, Sally Gunnell. All these people I never would have got a chance to have met had I not taken up sport. Don't forget, well, Mark, don't, don't is, forget Mark, Mark, Richardson. Mark actually read at my wedding. And uh, I've known Mark since we were about yeah. 12 or 13 years old. And uh, he, funny enough, he just lives mm. half a mile from me now. And uh, he's another fantastic, yeah. inspirational guy, great speaker, great friend, always on the phone to me, text me, how you doing, how's your family? His wife popped, has, while we've been in isolation, his wife's popped around with fruit and veg and dropped off some groceries for us. Yeah. Uh, great athlete himself, gone through difficult times, come out the other side of it, really good motivational speaker. Um, but more than that, he's a, he's a mate. And that's I think that's the incredible thing. I, I don't yeah. know many singers or movie stars but if they're anything like the the athletes that i've met they're just good people you know they're just like you and me that have a particular yeah. talent in a certain area it might not be in other areas um you know i'm not a mathematician but mm -hmm. i can i can tell you what type of thing to do in order to get maximize the best out of yourself athletically and and that goes from an 83-year-old man that I work with once a week, and we finish every session with a glass of wine, to wow. uh, down to a six-year-old <laughs> and, and their older sister, six and an eight-year-old that I, I help, um, with some teenagers in between, some veteran athletes in between, sprinters, distance runners. It's been fantastic and fascinating learning about how the body works, what goes where and why, and, and how... You, certain types of training can influence it yeah um it's not for everyone so at your summer camps your summer camps you train all types of yeah um, we're, we're the only summer camp discipline don't in the uk in europe in fact that actually cover all the track and field events yeah. and have specialist coaching at all the track and field events there's seven main events there's jumps sprints throws hurdles pole vault middle and long distance and then there's multi-events most most camps you go to will right. either take you through a range of those and everyone has to do all of it. But, you know, what about the fat kid? He doesn't want to do the 1500. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants to do the shop or the hammer. Yeah. And I'm, I'm being extreme here and probably unkind, but, mm -hmm. and vice versa, the 1500 meter runner has no interest in chucking no. hammers. But, you know, if you have an opportunity to experience what it's like to be Denise Lewis for a week or Mo Farah for a week or Linford Christie for a week or Seb Coe for a week and have someone like them coach you for a week and guest speakers like yourself who've talked on you know the psychology of the sport and the mental aspects of it and positive thinking and, 
uh, you know, which, which you, you've done fantastically well in it. And that in itself has is, is inspired kids to go on. Some became great athletes like Shalena, and Matt yeah. Hudson-Smith and a few others. Some became regional county champions. Some became healthy, just healthy people that liked enjoying sport. Some went on to become personal trainers or teachers. Yeah. But there was, there's been a huge amount of success, not financially, but athletically and personally and motivationally and inspirationally from the camp. And some of those kids, uh, I mean, one response by Met Police, for example, and his life was completely turned around after coming on that camp and meeting Usain Bolt and deciding to do something positive with his life instead of hanging out with, with bad guys. He's now a personal trainer uh, with his own business right. and we still keep in touch to this day. And that was, yeah, I mean, and, and that's, 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 that's what the camps are really about. Mm. Um, but I, I'm lucky. <clears throat> I've, I'm yeah. alive. I've got wonderful kids, wonderful wife, wonderful family, fantastic friends, a, a great business in terms of I'm doing something I love doing and I'm passionate about doing. And uh, yeah, life, yeah, life that's uh, it. could be better, but it could be a hell of a lot worse. Top man. Now, one thing I've got to say to you is do you fancy a game of cards? Because based on the cards you've been dealt, I'll yeah, be yeah, absolutely. I'm, 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 uh, yeah, I'm probably not the luckiest. I, I wouldn't gamble too often, but but the only thing I do do is the lottery now and again. And and I think with with the, uh, I, I'm, do you know what? Even with the lottery, I genuinely am surprised every week that I haven't won it. You know, no, no most people, yeah, most people do it thinking, oh, well, I'd that's like great. To win, I mean, or, or yeah, I hope I, mean... I win. I'm genuinely surprised that I haven't won it each week, because because I just I really think I will. Um, <laughs> But based on what you've told us, what you probably have, but don't realise it, you're probably one of those guys that put it in your in your back pocket, in your old jeans, and it and it and it went to Marie Curie, you know, yeah, absolutely, in, you know, Berkhamsted or something, and some yeah, other and, person. And, and, got, oh, this is out of date, because I'll, I'll yeah. win the next one. But uh, you know, no, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm a blessed man. Uh, and, uh, I, I couldn't think of anything else I'd rather do. Yeah, well, it's great to speak to you, mate. And uh, obviously, I'm still in training because I never know when the, the Premier League's going to come back because we were supposed to be starting this Punisher on, on the, the pitch at Watford Football Club and then finishing a week later on the pitch Absolutely. at uh, Watford Football Club. So, really, uh, fingers crossed it'll happen but, soon. But, I really but anyway, if it's next year, and it's I know next Denise will still, Denise will contact me and, and she's still really keen to be involved. She wants to start you off on your journey. Um, other people like yeah. Mark want to, to follow Brilliant. you as well. And we've got some friends that want to join in with a few to run a few miles yeah. with you. Hopefully by then I'll be able to do the same. Uh, and, and I know it's going to. But yes, I really please. hope That'd that people be get behind this this seven by seven Punisher because it's it's such. It's not just because it's half of it's going to something that I've my wife and I have helped set up, but it's it's just an incredible event by an incredible person doing something incredible for other people. And I think people need to get behind that. There's so much negativity now about things that are going wrong and this terrible situation in America and, and, and other places at the moment with, um, with the riots and, and stuff yeah. like that. And I get that. It's, it's, it's bad. But there's so many good things and we need to report on the good things like what you're doing. And, and uh, I think that's, yeah, no, right. that's going to be far more important going forward. And that, that's what's going to bring people together. It's not going to be concentrating on on the band. When That's I was a true. kid, just one quick thing. When when I was a kid growing up, I used to watch the news, and it was 
Mm-hmm. 28 minutes of bad news about things, disasters going on around them. And then in the last two minutes, they say, and now finally, and there'd be this, and now finally would be a little bit of good news just yeah. to end on. But even now, they don't do that now. You know, we, that's right. we, need, to, we need to finish on no, the high right. note. Um, and I think that uh, I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment. I'm hoping it will finish on a high note. <laughs> if not, it will finish on, it will just finish. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but yeah. uh, no, I'm, I'm looking <laughs> Come forward on. to the next, you know, however many, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in for it. Yeah. I want to see what my kids do, you know. So your, your, so, so your methodology around uh, life is... Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know what? I, I think Anchorman, um, I think yeah. uh, movies like The Incredible, movies like Rocky inspire me. Now, I know it's donkey years old. But it still inspires me. That's right. You know, even Star Same. Wars inspires. It's yeah. good versus evil. It's it's and and good triumphing in the end. Rocky coming That's against right. the odds and and just makes it in the end. Yeah. And and the ordinary guy just just achieving finally. You know, um, that's what I really love about some of these kind of yes. things. And I, I don't know if you've seen the Deadpool. Uh, I've got quite a sick sense of humour. Uh, Deadpool, Deadpool two, even better still. Of course, well, uh, yeah. it's 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 just those. Yeah, make you laugh. So there he goes, Roger Hughes. He will be back, however, to tell us more about um, his story and also to introduce us potentially to some more of his uh, superstar friends. So we look forward to that and wish him all the best with his book and also big love to his family. And with that in mind, if you do want to donate to The Punisher, please go to uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Oliver Thompson 11. And I know it's difficult cash wise at the moment, but any donations would be really well received. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.